It's Rugby World Cup time again, so let's take a moment to dream. Picture this. It's about 11pm on Saturday, the 28th of October, 2023. We're in Paris, Stade de France to be precise, and we've just witnessed one of the greatest Rugby World Cup finals ever. Ireland have not only shattered their quarter-final hoodoo, but they've gone on to win it all in front of a raucous crowd. Johnny Sexton lifts aloft the trophy, the Webb Ellis Cup, named in honour of one William Webb Ellis. Okay, now back to reality. Who was William Webb Ellis? What role did he play in the history of rugby union? And why is the sport's most important trophy named in the man's honour? To discuss this murky topic, I'm joined by Ian Kennelly, historian and researcher for The History Show. Ian, first of all, give us some background on William Webb Ellis, some information about him. Okay, he was born in 1806 in Salford, uh, England. His father was an officer in the British Army. He was killed in action when when William Webb Ellis was only about six years old, killed in uh, the Peninsular War fighting in Spain. So that left his wife, uh, Anne, with two boys and a military pension. So they were they were not poor as such, but they weren't particularly wealthy. So she moved uh, the family to uh, the town of Rugby and she somehow managed to get them enrolled in rugby school. Now, it's in rugby school, which would have been a pretty posh public school at the time. Public school is what they call them in, in, in the UK. <laughs> Private school is what we call them here. Um, so I'm going to read for you the inscription of a plaque that was erected in his name at the school. And it reads as follows. This stone commemorates the exploit of William Webb Ellis, who with a fine disregard for the rules of football as played in his time, first took the ball in his arms and ran with it, thus originating the distinctive feature of the rugby game, AD 1823. Yes, it's uh, fair to say it's not actually quite as clear-cut as rugby school would have us believe. Exactly. Now, according to the, the sports folklore, what's in become folklore he defied the conventions of the day uh, playing a match in, in rugby in 1823 he caught the ball and ran with it and supposedly that was you know in the context of the time rugby had no formal rule book it wasn't until the 1845 or so that there was the, the first attempt at a formal rule book and the game consisted of an indeterminate number of players but you had maybe 50 or 60 in each side and you could call it scrums but effectively it was just two huge Malays facing each other, kicking the ball forward, or mostly kicking each other. They called it hacking. Uh, and eventually, by chance, the ball would go into the air. Uh, and if you caught it on the full, you could bring a momentary halt to the madness by, by calling Mark. And what that would do is the opposing team would, would advance to the line of where you called the mark and whoever called the mark would step backwards and they'd have an opportunity to consider what to do next. And that was seems to be invariably they'd taken an uncontested kick, they'd bash it down the field and it would all start again. But William Webb, Webb Ellis apparently decided to uh, run with the ball, uh, Forrest Gump style, down the pitch and that apparently was the beginning of, of rugby. Yeah, you use the word apparently, you underline yeah. the word apparently, and we will come back to that. So it's essentially the same as uh, a mark in rugby as it is today in Australian rules football, fair catches in American American football or whatever. But the you stop, you, mm. you, you know, the game stops, everything stops, except in his case it didn't, or 
or did it? Where does this story actually originate? Yeah, for years afterwards, there, you know, there, this story didn't exist. And it, it, it first uh, emerges in 1876, a guy called uh, Matthew Bloxham, a former student of, uh, of rugby school and a, an antiquarian of sorts. And he wrote a letter to the school magazine in that year to say that he had heard that William Webb Ellis had uh, again defied the conventions of the day by catching the ball and running with it and therefore originating the sport of rugby. And he said that that happened in 1824. Now, one of the, the catches with that was that uh, William Webb Ellis had actually left uh, rugby school in 1823 and gone on to Oxford University. And just a brief sideline on, on, on the rest of his career. As far as we know, he had no connection, uh, Webb Ellis, that is, to rugby after he left rugby school. Cricket was his sport. Uh, he eventually became a Church of England men- minister, a uh, fairly well-known preacher and author, and, and, and he died in France in 1872. But uh, Bloxham made this claim in 1876, came back in 1880 and had modified the story slightly so it would fit with William Ellis's dates in the school, saying that this happened in uh, 1823. But Nobody cared at the time. It just, it gained no traction whatsoever. Uh, Important to relate, though, that this story did not originate from William Webb Ellis himself. Was he even aware? I mean, uh, Bloxham comes out with the story in 1876. William Webb Ellis has been dead for four years at that stage. There is no historical record, there's no statement, there's no hearsay even that William Webb Ellis knew about this or that he made any claims during his life to have uh, have the, such an august role in, in rugby's history. And also when it came to that original overture from Bloxham, it was on the basis that he had heard. So it's mm. Dorchban Lum, Gunorchban Lay. That's it. That's all it is. There's nothing, nothing to back it up whatsoever. Uh, the story, though, proves obviously very useful to rugby school and the sports authorities sometime around the 1890s. Yeah, like at that stage, rugby has become very popular. But it, as it's become popular, it's, there's a lot of turmoil. There's divisions within the game. I think class ones are probably the most important, but there's geographical, there's issues over the div- payment of players and so on. And there's a big split in 1895 and a new organisation, which will eventually become known as Rugby League, is founded. So the authorities in, in rugby union, so to speak, are, are there's this debate over who's the... Who, who has control of the game and uh, rugby school uh, commissions the old rugby and society to investigate this issue. Now you can imagine if they're investigating it, the, the outcome is predetermined pretty much. Uh, and they, uh, they can find nothing about, they're aware of Bloxham's article and they dig that up. They can find nothing about Web, Web Ellis apart from one student who remembered, a guy called Harris who uh, was in uh, rugby at the same time as Web Ellis and he said that uh, he apparently didn't like Web Ellis, he called him a cheat which kind fits with the original uh, breaking of the rules but he, he gave the impression that he cheated in his exams as well And but he said that when he left the school and this is Harris now in 1828 well after Webb Ellis had left if anybody ran with the ball they would have been hacked severely and that in fact it was strictly forbidden uh, and they also then uh, interviewed uh, Thomas Hughes author of Tom Brown's School Days who'd also been of course like his novel is set there and he said that in the 1830s again, following on from Harris, that if anybody tried to run with the ball in hand, they would have been, you know, 
a sound trashing would have been the least that they'd have emerged with. Uh, but he did mention a guy called Jem Hackey, or Jem Mackey, sorry. Uh, Hackey, <laughs> sorry, that's an interesting yeah. Freudian <laughs> yeah. slip. Too much, uh, too much rugby reading. But he, um, <laughs> he, he got this guy, Jem Mackey, that he ran with the ball. He was known for running with the ball despite the risks that it entailed. But he never made it into rugby folklore because he was expelled from rugby school for some unknown incident. So obviously they decided he mightn't be a suitable role model. So they, they lighted upon... William Webb Ellis and in 1897 they released a report saying William Webb Ellis founded rugby and it went from it wasn't even folklore it went from this letter of Bloxham this hearsay in 1876 to now being established fact and remains so to this day So it's basically an origin myth it's a work mm. of propaganda really by, by rugby school and Johnny Sexton actually should be holding the Jem Mackey trophy He should indeed, yeah yeah, let's hope, let's hope he hope he will be holding some trophy. But yeah, it's um, you know it because it's got the backing of rugby school. It has that status, and even in 1923, for example, there's a rugby hosts a special representative match between English Welsh selection and an Irish Scottish selection to commemorate the centenary of this event. So now you can see how all of a sudden it's become part of of the game's history. Yeah, I suppose we're, in a sense, commemorating the bicentenary of this event by still naming Mm. the trophy the William Webb Ellis Trophy. And perhaps there's another reason why it shouldn't be called the William Webb Ellis Trophy. And uh, that's because... New Zealand has won it three times. Yeah, well, the, the people did say, you know, there was some voices in the game that said in, in when New Zealand All Blacks won the 2015 World Cup that they were the first to win it three times, that they should have held on to the trophy and, in perpetuity and that a new one uh, could have been commissioned and, and it could have been named after some other figure, a, a more a figure who'd actually played some role in the game's history or just be called the Rugby World Cup. And that would have followed the model that FIFA had with the, the Jules Rimet trophy when Brazil won that for the third time in 1970, they got to keep it in, in perpetuity. Well, it actually got stolen and melted down, but that's a sidetrack. But there was a new trophy. The modern World Cup was uh, commissioned. But World Rugby, or the IRB, or World Rugby as it is now, I think decided, you know, there's too much PR value in the original story and to stick with that. And despite there's been many historians Tony Collins and Michael Aylwin and Paul Rouse and loads of people. It's not even controversial anymore that this never happened, that it's all PR nonsense. But it's one of those situations where when the, the legend becomes fact, print the legend. Print the legend. Yeah, I prefer Jem Mackey, I must say. I like the idea of somebody who was then expelled from, from rugby as having as having started the sport. But uh, that's probably just as much mythology as, uh, as, as William Webb Ellis. So Ian, many thanks for joining no us problem. this evening to talk about uh, William Webb Ellis and the myth of rugby's origins. That's all we've time for on this evening's programme. Details of all our items as well as podcasts are available on our website, rte.ie forward slash history show. My thanks tonight to Mark McGrath and Jamie Doyle on sound and to our researcher Ian Kennelly. The History Show is a Pegasus production for RTE. For now, from me, Miles Duncan, and producer Lorcan Clancy, goodbye and thanks for listening. <laughs>